0: Well folks, Deepsha, Shaw Jerry Adams Arish, August Maurice Grah, Tasila Gumsa, Gobel Shibsa, Goumoy. So we've had a a fairly eventful week since Saturday last when the political institutions were put back in place and Michelle O'Neill was elected as first minister. And uh, I have to say I think that marks an extraordinary turning point in the process of constitutional change for the North and for the island of Ireland. And it signals a significant new chapter in the transitional process of change that began with the peace process. Last Saturday week ago, something fundamental happened. In its century of existence, the Northern Statelet reflected the ethos and the wishes of those who ruled us. The Northern State, the Orange State, was born out of colonialism, occupation, conflict, sectarian division, fear and partition. Under success of Unionist and British regimes, it relied for its survival on special powers, structured inequality and discrimination. Up to now, the Northern State had 11 Unionist Prime Ministers and First Ministers and a succession of largely mediocre British Secretaries of State who saw their roles shoring up Unionism and defending Partition and the Union. Last Saturday, that changed. Of course, the British uh, government continues to shore up Unionism and to defend Partition and the Union. But last Saturday, a week ago, a Republican became first minister and structures foisted on us to block this from ever happening have crumbled. In 1998, the Good Friday Agreement began the challenging process of unravelling all of this. It provided for a level playing field in which all the political parties can present their analysis, promote their policies and advocate for their objectives, Irish unity or union with Britain, by requiring that they accept the outcome of the democratic process. On the core issues of Irish unity or the union, the agreement recognised that it's for the people of the island of Ireland alone, by agreement between the two parts respectively, and without external impediment to exercise their right of self-determination on the basis of consent, consent freely and concurrently given north and south to bring about a united Ireland. If that is our wish, accepting it's the British and Irish governments, accepting that this right must be achieved and exercised with and subject to the agreement and consent of a majority of people of Northern Ireland. So the agreement also provides for referendums North and South and if in the future the people vote for Irish Unity, there's a binding obligation on both governments to introduce and support in their respective parliaments legislation to give effect to that wish. Of course, British governments are not renowned for honouring commitments. Last week, following the deal with the DUP, his deal with the DUP, British Secretary of State Chris Heaton-Harris, claimed that any change in the North's place in the Union would absolutely depend on the consent of both communities. Not true. Any change will depend on a Democratic majority in a referendum voting for unity. Now this places a significant onus on Republicans and we especially want maximum constitutional change and a new Ireland united and independent. But There's a significant onus on all United Irelanders to engage positively with those who do not share our vision of the future and with those who are unsure of what that future should look like. I'm absolutely certain that Michelle O'Neill will carry out her duties and responsibilities honestly and with diligence. She is indeed a First Minister for all and she will advocate for every citizen and for every family, irrespective of their attitude to the Union or Irish unity. She will defend the right of every citizen, of every family to choose their preferred future. But as a committed Irish Republican activist and leader, she will also work to advance the objective of unity. And these are not contradictory positions. They are complementary. Michelle's speech to the Assembly is evidence of this. It was confident, well delivered, wide ranging, a manifesto for change for the future. It spoke of the need to deliver for all the people, for every community, and to make life better for workers, families and communities. Michelle acknowledged that the new executive will face great challenges, and it will, not least because of the stranglehold of British government's Tory and Labour. Among those she identified are the rising cost of living, patients waiting for treatment and support, workers on the picket lines, the need for childcare supports, social and affordable housing, key infrastructure development projects, the climate crisis, Loch Ness, and the using of the Windsor framework to advance the Ireland economy. She identified the epidemic of violence against women and girls and said she would prioritise a new strategy to to tackle this. She expressed her sorrow for all the lives lost during the conflict and she committed herself to work at reconciliation and bringing everyone together. She also spoke for all of us who have watched with horror the Israeli government's continued genocide against the Palestinian people when she called for an immediate ceasefire and for dialogue and for peace. So last Saturday week was a good day. Everyone who made a stand over the decades or in more recent times should be proud of the progress we have made. Inevitably, there will be many challenges. The Tories in London are not our friends. And the executive is a coalition of parties with widely different opinions, but with good will and respect, we can make it work, August yanni mwij Shin. The election of Michelle as First Minister also saw my old friend and comrade of many years, Alex Maskey, bowing out of frontline politics and eventually getting the opportunity to step back from the Concuria, or Speaker's office. Four years ago, Alex was elected Speaker, and he did that job intelligently, fairly and patiently. His time was up in 2022, but because the Assembly was suspended, he continued to play the role for the last two years. He took a number of very worthy initiatives, even though the assembly was suspended. They included a youth assembly made up of 90 young people from the ages of 13 to 18. He convened a women's parliament and an assembly for citizens with disabilities. He met foreign delegations and hosted others interested in the Good Friday Agreement and the peace process. And last year he was front and centre in parliament buildings for the 25th celebrations of the Good Friday Agreement. The respect and esteem in which he was held and is held was evident at the weekend in the unanimous words of praise and thanks he received from all sides of the assembly. Now that was a far cry from Alec's first entry into elected politics in 1983. In June that year, he was Sinn first Belfast councillor. He ran a gauntlet of abuse from Unionists they Refused to talk to him. They tried to shout him down. They sounded horns, blew rape whistles, threatened him. He was the target of constant harassment by the British Army and the IUC, and the victim of several assassination attempts by Unionist death squads, including one in which his friend Alan Lundy was shot and killed in Alec's home, and another in which Alec himself was gravely wounded. Undaunted, Alec went on to become Belfast, first ever Sinn Féin mur. Alex has committed himself to continue his activism and to the goal of Irish unity, and to the principles and objectives he has dedicated his life to. So well done, Alex, and well done also to Liz, an activist in her own right. She's been at his side through all these years. Mila Buehis Aharja, A Mor Orif. Ever Brown died about eight or nine days ago, aged 94. And I admired Ava Brown a lot. And I'm glad to say I met him a few times. He was one of the world's leading pioneering psychiatrists. As President Michael D Higgins said, he left a profound mark on the understanding and attitudes to mental health in Ireland A visionary, a doer, Aver dismantled mental institutions and developed community clinics. He was a revolutionary. (laughs) Professor Brendan Kelly said his legacy was the additional liberty enjoyed by thousands of people who avoided institutionalization as a result of the reforms which Aver came to represent. He spoke up on behalf of the political prisoners, especially the Armagh women political prisoners. Speaking out in 1985 against strip searching, he said strip searching is rather violent. It is a tremendous intrusion on a human being. Aver was also a musician. He was co-founder in 1959 with Gark Brown of Claddagh Records, which went on to record Irish traditional music, song and poetry. And Claddagh, I'm glad to say, is still thriving and wonderful elements of our rich musical heritage are preserved thanks to their vision. Aver was also SNQ, sound on the national question. He did great work in Derry in the 1970s and afterwards by assisting the development of community models for human development. So my condolences, Quavron McCree, the Chaula Aver Brown. His life was a life well lived. Tashear Slee and Aranya and Shin Mesha Aharja, Jero and Shakhtan Ella, Augusta Kaji J, Chiefie Shibsha Arish and Shakhtan Shahogin, A. Moor Orov, Tor Ira, Shinawil,